This is Barkcast. You ain't nothing but a hound. On each episode of Barkcast, your questions will be answered by professional, senior trainer and owner of Canine Point Academy, Russell D. Russell. Hi Russell, how's your week been here at K9 Point Academy? It's been good mate, thanks for asking. No worries. Right, we've had an email in from a gentleman called David. Hello David. Hello, and David has asked, his dog is very good at sitting and staying when it's at home. Cool. However... I think I know where this is going. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> when they go out and about mm. uh, to the beach and to the dam, he says he walks around the dam and other places. Not so good. The dog isn't sitting and staying. Okay. Help. Help, Right. This is something that we would refer to as either proofing and or generalizing. Okay, you're going to have to explain, explain those two terms. The proofing is, I need to prove that something works. So, or you know, testing would be another good word. It's great that our dogs will sit and stay and do all the things that we want them to do. But we need to practice this in different environments. And usually the mistake we make is, I've got a, a bowl of dog food, I've got a handful of treats... Hey, Rover, come here and sit. And the dog's like, whoa, great. You've got some treats. Absolutely. I'll come and sit for you. So we naturally assume, great. My dog knows how to come to me. They know how to sit and they know how to stay because they've just done it for me. And that's completely incorrect. What the dog knows in that specific picture, in that moment, when I'm in that particular room, when you've got that bowl of treats in your hand, if I sit, you'll give it to me. What they cannot connect is that that transfers to everywhere else. So we have to proof these behaviors and we have to generalize it in different areas. So it's great that he's sitting and staying in your, in your kitchen. Well, have you tried it in your living room? Have you tried it in the bedroom? Have you tried it on the patio? Have you tried it on your driveway? Have you tried it just outside the house? Everywhere. It's all different. They're all different pictures. So, and the other mistake we tend to make is if the dog's really good at something and people ask, you know, well, okay, I'm using treats all the time, but how often do I get rid of the treats? The other mistake we make is we're, we're paying all the time. And I, I always start like that for sure. I want the dog to think I'm an idiot. I just sit and I get a treat. This is easy. But I very quickly want to start fading out the help. But there's a difference with going from 100 um, treats to zero versus going steadily down the line. And what if the dog doesn't respond to treats? Because when we were training Maximus, yeah. we both discovered that Maximus has got no interest in food whatsoever. Okay, we can we could probably put that on a different podcast because that's quite an in-depth thing as to you know what well, my dog doesn't like treats, toys. You know what do we do? And we can certainly go into that in a little bit more detail because that obviously does that can change how you are going to work with your dog. If we're if we're just for the moment sticking with a, a food-based reward, or, or 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 any reward in particular. I want it to be more on a variable ratio rather than it's consistent, frequent, every every sit or every third sit because dogs aren't stupid. They can work this out. So for me, it's completely random. So they've got to the point where, okay, I understand when I sit, you give me a treat. Now we move it along to, okay, I, I'm sitting, but I'm not getting a treat. Let me try sitting again and looking at you a bit stronger. Like, dude, where's my treat? Oh, there's my treat. Oh, great. So now I've got to sit quicker and I've got to look at you or, or what have you. So we, we're changing... We're getting the dog to really think about what they're doing because oh, I didn't get a treat this time. What about next time? I didn't get a treat that time. What about this time? Oh, great. Now I've got a treat. Fantastic. And because they're essentially gambling on when will I get myself a treat, they're going to be a little bit more focused on to you because obviously that's where the treat is coming from and trying to work out exactly what is it I need to do 
I'm going to sit. I'm going to look at you. Oh, that seemed to work. Okay, I'll do that next time. I didn't get a treat this time. Oh, I've got a treat that time. Okay, so they, they are coming. I just have to keep doing this, and eventually I will get my treat. And so that happens in the house absolutely fine. And Yep. But then when you go to the beach, and then all of a sudden you get the sand and the sea and the horses that come running past and the people that are there. So, yeah. So the, there's, for me, there's four, there's four things. The first level is all about teaching the dog how to do basic behaviors, such as sit, lie down. And all dogs know how to do these behaviors. They're not stupid. They, they know how to do them. If you're looking at your dog right now, they are probably lying down, maybe sitting. <laughs> right? In fact, both dogs In here fact, are both dogs both here, Exactly that. So they know how to do it. It's just A, getting, it, getting them to do it on our terms when we need it and ask for it. And then remaining in that until we're, we're ready for them to stop doing it. So the first thing is all about teaching just the, the functions. The next three levels are, and I think we've alluded to this before, are what I call the three Ds. Distance, duration, and distraction. I forgot about the three Ds. Three Ds. They're, they're all reasonably, I think, self-explanatory, but just to go through them. In terms of duration, for me, this is the easiest one. You've got your dog to sit. You get them a treat. A lot of the time, they get straight back up. What I want to do is have the dog remain in the sit. So they sit, they get a treat. I'll quickly get them another treat. And then maybe quickly get them a third treat. And they're like, hey, I'm, I'm just sitting here and you're giving me lots of treats. Okay, this is easy. I'll, I'll just sit here for a bit and just, you're feeding me. Let me just jump in. When you sure. say the word treats, can we just um, clarify? You don't mean giving them sweet treats. Right. <laughs> I don't mean joking, but joking aside, it's not doggy treats. You can use kim- Kimble. Uh, kibble. Used- yeah, yeah. You certainly can. You can use, it depends on the dog and the, like we can, we can go into the, the, the depths of rewards and all that in another day. I generally use either um, some sort of high-value treat. that the, the treats you want to use are what the dog likes and enjoys. If you've got a, I mean, for the most part, if you've got like something like a Labrador or a Golden Retriever or a Beagle, you could probably use bits of cardboard as a treat because they just eat anything. Don't do that, but you get the idea. <laughs> but yeah, you could probably get away with just using their kibble because it's just food, and they're like, yes, yes, please, I want some food, yay. Whereas if you've got a dog that's a little bit more picky, they're like, well, kibble, you're not really bothered about that but, oh you seem to have a bit of cheese that that really entices me yeah i'll work for that so and in terms of using food as a reward based system i want to start fading this out pretty quickly because people often say well i don't want my dog to live on cheese it's bad for him well yeah if it's just consistent blocks of cheese every day yeah that's not great but if we're using small quantities for a short period of time to build up some key skills you you're going to be fine and even little bits of chicken Boiled chicken. Boiled chicken. Bits. I mean, I for, for here the the local Seven Elevens have some the the cooked uh, sausages. Break those up into tiny pieces. It, again, bit of cheat. Whatever works for the dog. Whatever they really really like. That's what I would use. Sorry, I just treat. wanted to clarify the sure. treats thing so that that's okay. the listener knew. So in terms of going back to working on something, say duration, just getting my dog to be in a specific position for a period of time, and to begin with, just heavily rewarding him. And then we slowly start to fade out the rewards, but we're still getting the same response from the dog that they're remaining in that sit for 10, 15, 20 seconds. And then we'll restart, we'll do it again. So now it's, I don't need to just sit, but I technically have to stay here. The next thing is I want to start adding some distance because I want the dog to a, and there's two sides to this. One is if I'm with my dog and I say, can you sit here? Because I'm going to walk away and I'm going to open the front door. So I need you to remain in the sit 10 feet away. Or equally, we're out on a walk and my dog happens to be 10, 20, 30 feet away from me. And I say, sit. I want them to sit. 
I don't want them to walk back to me and do it. I want them to sit where I asked them to, to do it. And these are, the th- again, this, we're trying to proof these exercises. To begin with, I start with the dog right next to me and slowly step, take one or two steps away and then come back. With, if I'm being outside, again, same thing, but just kind of in reverse. So it starts really, really close. And obviously we build up and increase the distance from there. And then the third thing is distraction, which is basically everything and anything. You can think visual distractions such as people, other dogs, a leaf that blows past. We've all got dogs or seen dogs that are just skitty with everything or just want to chase everything. A bird flying by, joggers going by, cars, motorbikes, all of these things that they see and engage with. Um, any, any auditory um, distractions, uh, the birds squeaking, they hear a loud noise, car backfiring, telephones ringing, doorbells ringing, loud bangs. absolutely anything whatever you can think of can be distracting for your dog and it can be the simple things you bending over to tie your shoelaces can be distracting so your dog's sort of perfect sit stay and then all of a sudden you say can you sit and to tie my shoelaces you bend over the dog's never seen that picture before they get up to come towards you so it's just about going through all of these different motions working it with our dog so no when i say sit it really a ufo lands over there you still need to be in the six. I haven't told you, you can do something else. So with your three days, would you do them the training all together or do you do them separately? And if you do them separately, which order would you go in? Uh, definitely. There is a, well, there's an element of crossover with all of them, obviously. If I'm doing a sit-stay and I'm stepping away, picking something up and walking back, I'm essentially working all three of those at the same time. However, in the beginning, I always start with, with some duration. So in terms of a process, we've just done some some sit repetitions. So sit, and we take a step and we sit, we take a step and we sit. The natural progression for me is we're going to sit and now we're going to wait for a couple of seconds. So I'm just building up, oh, sit means I've got to sit here for a short period of time. And it's easy because I'm right there with the dog. They're, they've been working with me. They know what's going on. All we're doing is just extending how long I have to get my bum on the ground. And that's quite an easy one to do. My next session would then be practicing some distance. Now me trying to step away from the dog, which you could argue in and of itself is distracting, but for argument's sake, we're just working on the, the distance part of it. So, and again, it just short step. We get the dog to sit. I take one step away and go back, and then we build up from there. And then my third thing will be other distractions because by that time, the dog knows and has a good idea of remaining in a sit for a period of time. Said distraction might involve me walking away, They've now already seen that picture. So now I'm just adding in opening the front door and someone coming in or other dogs being there and, and what have you. So there's already a little bit of a, um, a foundation for the dog to fall back on. So with David, whose who's dog is sitting and staying within mm-hmm. the house, um, and you've mentioned, let, let's say with, let's go with the sit, yep. for example. So the first thing is sit in duration. Now you do that in the house. Do you do that a few times throughout the day? Do you then bring in the distraction at the same day or is this kind of do you know what i mean i'm just trying yeah. to work out how what's would david do the process it? the the ultimate answer is to how if you're if your dog's responding then what you're doing is working if you're finding that my dog is sitting a bit longer and i'm getting a, i'm able to step a little bit further away then the environment in which you're working in which you're doing this is working if your dog is always getting up out the sit if your dog is not listening and always walking off you're either trying to get them to sit for too long you're trying to step too far away too quickly or the environment within that you're working is too distracting for the dog. 
and that's the mistake that people usually make. I go from one level to the, I want my dog to sit at the beach when the horses and the kids are playing and there's dogs running and they sit calmly with me. That is never going to happen if you haven't worked up to that level. So how would you work up to that level? So going from kitchen to beach, uh, random, going from everything's perfect in the kitchen, it sucks at the beach. Okay, so from the kitchen, I would go to other places around the house and see, am I getting the same response from my dog? My, my guess would be probably not. Like if you went into the garden, the sit-stay might not be quite as good as it was in the kitchen. So I'd build up and practice there. Every time I go out for a walk, my walk is not just the dog gets to run around for half an hour. I want to engage and work with the dog and every now and again do some sit stays and practice one or two steps away. And over time, the dog works out whenever I'm with you, wherever we go, whatever we do, this sit stay thing is is a consistent part of that. It's not nonstop. It's not all the time train, train, train. But there's lots and lots of pockets of it. And that just becomes normal. I sit and I stay for a little bit. I get a treat. I get to go run around. I come back. I sit. I stay for a bit. And that just becomes a normal cycle. And then over the course of time, and it can take dogs circa six to nine months to process short to long-term memory. So if you're starting with your dog today, believe me, you'll see progression with your dog within the first few days and weeks for sure. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they know it. And that's another thing I get a lot. My dog knows to sit and I'm sure David would probably say he knows he should sit at the beach. He knows he's supposed to do it, but he's choosing to ignore me. I would argue very strongly, no, he doesn't know what you wanted that picture. He's not being spiteful and saying, ah, to hell with you, I'm going to run off. He just doesn't know what you want. So we have to build up through the steps. You can't go from A to Z without going through the rest of the alphabet. You've got to do it in stages. Cool. So hopefully now he can start training to get to the beach, Correct. which would yep. be cool. But what are the main kind of things that David needs to work on? So I would argue at this point, obviously not seeing the dog, that distraction would be his big ticket item. If he's got a really good sit-stay in the kitchen and they're used to that particular picture and he can walk around the dog, for example, step away and, and do things, the dog's used to that, knows how that particular picture works. It sounds like he's got a good foundation already in place. It's now just about building on top of that. And there's two quick things. In terms of how often you're rewarding the dog, I'm guessing, and I would suggest in the kitchen, your reward ratio is going to be very low. Every, uh, you, Maybe two or three times out of 10, I'm actually going to physically food reward my dog as opposed to 10 out of 10. If I then go somewhere else, I'm going to increase my level of food reward. So if I'm in the kitchen and everything's perfect, yeah, one, two, maybe three times out of 10, the dog's getting a treat. Out in the driveway, it's a bit more distracting. It's a bit harder for the dog. So I might increase my reward ratio to maybe six or seven times out of 10 for a few sessions. And then you suddenly realize, hey, wow, out on the driveway, it's now back down to two or three. So it's just about building up that, um, that background. The big thing is always distractions. And we've been chuckling off air here. We've got some workmen over there doing some work. There's the cleaners inside with the Hoover. There's cars going by. It's quite a distracting environment for us recording a podcast this morning. We're constantly looking around. And that's just normal. That's just normal life. But if you really think about it, how does that affect our dogs? Our dogs get as equally distracted by things as we do. So for us choosing to record a podcast in the middle of all of this maybe wasn't our finest hour. 
but we can focus and we can work through it. With our dogs, if they're used to that particular picture, then fine. If they're not and it's too distracting, then I need to either remove them from said picture and slowly build up to it. Good timing as Charlie brings a plastic bottle to toy to me. Absolutely. Um, Russell, thank you for that one. Cheers, buddy. See you next week. Bye. Cheers. If you're looking for professional training or somewhere to board your dog, either short or long term, then check out Canine Point Academy. That's caninepointacademy.com or go to Facebook and search Canine Point Academy.